You are Locked On Indians, your daily Cleveland Indians podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Locked On Indians. I'm your host, Jeff Ellis, formerly of Scout, formerly of 24-7, now all of Locked On. Uh, this is the second part of our two-part talk with the guys over from Locked On White Sox, Chris and Herb. This part is focused on the White Sox. This is a lot more me talking about the White Sox. I do ask them in this part uh, some of their thoughts on the Indians and who do they think are the real contenders for the division. Who Who is the team that scares them the most? Uh, so tune in, listen, a lot of great talk. Uh, these are guys at the top of the baseball podcasting game. I think it's just informative to uh, to hear their answers, hear how they you know go about thinking, and it's a really fun conversation. Great guys, great conversation. Uh, it went so well. We already had we already have talked about uh, getting together, trying to do another one of these during the season, trying to get more. The nice thing about crossovers, we're starting them right now, and this year I'm actually getting to know people because last year we started crossovers right as. The COVID situation was occurring, and I was trying to, uh, as we were all trying to figure things out, so they kind of didn't happen. But this year, it is setting up this great situation where we're getting to know each other. It's going to set up more opportunities for us to talk during the season. So here's a chance to, again, you're listening to one of the top baseball podcasts in terms of listens and everything else on the network. So again, sit back, enjoy my conversation with the boys from Locked On White Sox. And real quickly, before we dive into the show, I do want to take a second and thank our title sponsor for the day, rockout.com. Amazing selections, reliably all pre- reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockout.com and tell them Locked On sent you. We're having this opportunity to talk with both of you from Locked On Sox here with Chris and, and Herb. Uh, I wanted to ask about some of the things that have gone on. I think the White Sox are the team to beat, but I, I am kind of curious about some of the transactions this year. The big one, at least from my perspective, and I'm curious to hear if, if it also feels like the big perspective uh, with White Sox fans, the Lance Lynn deal. I feel like I saw a lot of people who were happy to add him, and then I also saw some pushback against the general cost to what, what he might be. I was kind of curious what your guys' take on the addition of Lynn and that trade in general. I thought that getting Lance Lynn was a clutch move for the White Sox. They needed the top-of-the-rotation pitcher like he was. The thing, I think, with most White Sox fans is that he's only signed for this year, and he's up there in, like, early 30s. And the guy that they gave up, Chris and I are huge fans of. Dane Dunning, I think, is going to have an above-average Major League career, I think, with a couple All-Star games in there. Maybe not in Texas specifically, but the guy knows how to pitch. And even though he faltered last year in the game three start versus Oakland, I think that's expected of any rookie in his first uh, postseason start. So giving him up for just a guy that eventually will maybe leave after this year is over, where you see Blake Snell with multiple years on his contract, giving up uh, the Padres what they gave up. And then the same thing happened with you, Darvish. The same thing that happened with Joe Musgrove. The same thing that happened with Jamison Tyone. They weren't really traded for any meat until like way down the road. So giving up a 
good player that's going to help a major league team currently where we could have been giving up a younger player down the road where really hurt us their lottery tickets was the only thing that I think White Sox fans are quibbling about the Lance Lynn deal. I think us as fans, we love to have a guy that's going to be a horse, a top, what, top five, top 10 pitcher in the American League the last two years. So the player is going to be excellent. We just wish he was a little younger and we had him for a little bit more years. Yeah, on, on paper, you know, the move is, it's a little curious to say the least. You know, it was it was the move that started off the whole offseason for the Sox. And, you know, I, I've loved everything that I've seen and heard from Lance Lynn. Like, he's just a, you know, a, Dallas Keiko calls him Tonka Truck and a, and a hoss. Like, he just goes out there and does his job and you don't know exactly how he's doing it with the fastball at his age, but he does it. And today, even in a spring game, he's MF and the umpire, you know, coming <laughs> off of the, the, the mound in inning two in a spring game. So I think the, the rotation could use that type of guy so I think like it just doesn't make sense when you take a look at that trade and you compare it to the rest of the transactions from this offseason because when you have one year of Lance Lynn like you're you're telling me that you're basically going all in for this year like you know I'm not ready yet to talk about a contract extension for Lance Lynn when you have some of the guys that they had that they believe in like Kopech and you know, they're supposedly going to turn around Ronaldo Lopez this year under the tutelage of Ethan Katz. So nope. I'm not so sure about that. And I'm also not so sure about giving Lynn a contract extension. So they, they didn't really go all in with the other moves. Like getting one year of Lance Lynn for a guy who you saw perform at the major league level in Dane Dunning didn't make a whole lot of sense. But at the same time, like if you just look at their chances this year to win the World Series, like they – this may be their best shot. So if, if you get one ring, you know, like they say, banners fly forever because you made a bold trade for Lance Lynn, and then God bless, Dane Dunning can have all the success in the world in Texas. And then the other kid, they give up Avery Weems. It was, it was a guy that most Sox fans hadn't heard of until they made the deal, and we end up hearing that that was like the guy that, that you know, the Rangers uh, scouting and development team was sold on to, to make, get the deal done. So, you know, this could be a, a trade that works out well for both parties, uh, but for the White Sox, it's, it is kind of a curious move considering the timeline of, of the Lance Lynn contract. People who listen to my podcast know that before I was doing this, I used to write about the draft. And probably my biggest brag point uh, was for two years in a row, I predicted the White Sox draft pick uh, the first day after the season ended. So I have to ask about those two players, uh, Nick Madrigal, Andrew Vaughn. We know Madrigal is projected to slot in. Uh, when do you think, I assume we'll see Vaughn this year, and just your overall thoughts on those two players that I have to ask. I know people who listen to Lockdown Indians have heard me talk about that for years because when you can nail a pick before the teams do uh, in my way too early mock, it's, you know, those are the <laughs> only things good, I've ever yeah. gotten right in the last 10 years. <laughs> so it's, it's always a, a, something I have to bring up when I can. Well, Nick, yeah, he'll make the team coming out. He uh, had offseason shoulder surgery because he doesn't know how to slide. Uh, apparently <laughs> it was last year. He, we had a tough time with Nick Magical. This show in particular, me in particular, because he was not that smart that uh, that he was billed as B. So he uh, got a rough ride here. But I think the kid has confidence he's already talking about getting 300 3000 hits in his career like you know not bragging but he's like you know I possibly can do that he's a hit machine that's what he's gonna do he's gonna hit his way onto the bases last year he had 340 in limited action and that was a huge uh for you to pick Nick Magic would be the third overall pick what is that seven eight months before the draft that is amazing because he hadn't even had his season yet but um yeah, uh, Andrew Vaughn, they've been talking all offseason about how mature he is and how ready he is for the majors. And we see it in spring training. The guy knows how to hit. 
he's only been in, I think, a ball. Like, of course, last year got canceled for the minor league, so he was at the alternate site the whole time. But some insiders were saying that he was crushing at the alternate site. But those are not major league pitchers he was going against. So they've been talking about going from single A to the majors starting the year. But with the White Sox, I know we talked about the Indians being cheap. We have also a cheap owner and a team that likes to play games. So you talk them up all season about, man, this Andrew Vaughn. Watch out when you see him. And then, hmm, Andrew's probably got to sign an extension before he makes a team or we're going to be suing some uh, service time manipulation. And so they're out here probably going to try to have somebody else be the designated hitter, but they don't have any good candidates to do that. As the White Sox saw Andrew Vaughn as the answer at designated hitter, but also don't want to pay somebody to be the designated hitter so they can do this service time manipulation. And everybody would be like, oh, man, you got Nelson Cruz? Smooth. Andrew Vaughn could sit his ass on the bench. But I think, in my heart of hearts, that he's not going to sign an extension. And there's no reason to if, if I was Andrew Vaughn because that new CBA comes up and maybe you get grandfathered out of that one and you didn't get uh, out of the deal before the seventh year. And we all know that the White Sox need the guy – to hit because there's no one, literally no player on the team that has done designated hitter for full time in the major leagues. None. I mean, you can go with Luke Roy, but he hasn't done it as full time. So there's Andrew Vaughn or nothing. So I'm very, very uh, high on the kid because he has to do well for the White Sox to do well. Yeah, if you pegged him uh, to be selected by the White Sox before he actually got picked, like you remember what people said about Andrew Vaughn at the time was that the bat was ready on day one. Like he could enter a big league lineup the day after he was drafted and make a contribution. Like the, the funny thing about that is like what Herb said about the White Sox kind of going on the cheap on the DH role when you're going all in you know, with Lance Lynn and then you go cheap on the DH when you have plenty of solid suitors out there. You know, throughout our entire lives, the White Sox, you know, scouting has been lackluster to say the least. It isn't until the last few years where they've hit more than they miss. But really, that's from Rickon making some savvy trades and getting guys that other teams have developed, and they really haven't developed many of their own guys. So when you talk about Andrew Vaughn, like they're they're betting on themselves that they're right about Andrew Vaughn, and it's not you know a, a crazy risk. Uh, to, to, to think that he could thrive and, and be the DH on day one and just take you know hit the ground running but our history watching the White Sox is a little skeptical about that um, you know it wouldn't surprise me if he was an effective guy at DH and and we don't have to worry about him and we will laugh it off like how do we ever doubt Andrew Vaughn because just already what you're seeing with the approach from a kid that young it's pretty impressive um, but I, I do wish they would have had a backup plan there and now with Yasmani Grandal, dealing with some injury issues here you know ever since spring training opened up I'm wondering if they'll just DH Yasmani at the beginning and kind of rotate guys out if they're going to do the service time manipulation with Andrew Vaughn or if he's not ready or if you know or if he just looks bad uh back to Madrigal though it, we joke about him all the time like he's like a, a, the guy on the team that's the brunt of all of our jokes because we, he's such like the ceiling is, is so low on a guy like that at least in, in terms of the way we look at it like the hit tool is obviously pretty elite but you know not 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 a lot of power there like he's a guy that we joke about like 
he could hit 400 and we, at the end of the year we'd be like yeah he had a fine year you know ultimately like he wasn't a run producer and you 400 know average 400 slugging. <laughs> yeah exactly um you know but I, hopefully he cleans up some of those rookie mistakes and he made a, a you know base running error in the postseason too uh during in that a series that was frustrating and, and he's he's made a lot of like aggressively dumb physical uh errors out there uh well actually mental errors on the base running side but you know he's he's going to hit and i'm a firm believer in lineup balance like i think a guy like that really profiles nicely in the white Sox lineup i think he'll be hitting in the lower third uh, if, if i'm you know what i know about tony la Russa, i think they'll probably have eaten towards the top and magical at the bottom to sort of yes. turn it over i know herb it's i'm not tony la Russa, herb let's, let's we're you know so I, I think he's a guy that'll that'll just hit they'll continue to hit and they did joke that they called him mr 3000 after they talked about that they made t-shirts with you know the bernie mac movie poster and his face imposed on it and they they had fun with it which which i do like from a young kid like he's got the confidence like herb said uh you know the question is like can the defense go back to being an elite glove like he was in college because we didn't see a lot of that in 2020 because he did miss a lot of time with the injury but uh yeah I, i think he'll be fine you know i don't know if that's a number one pick but as far as White Sox position players go, if you could just pencil in pencil them in the lineup every day for the next you know five to ten years, we'll all consider it a win, no matter how good or bad the uh, production is. Talked about them at the top of the show, but Rock Auto is one of our fantastic sponsors. RockAuto.com gives you the power. They let you know what is a good price on parts and pieces for your car. Anytime you go to a mechanic, you don't have the power. Most of us don't know how much that piece, that part, should cost. If you're going to Rock Auto, you do. You know the prices, and you know what is a good price. Now, not everyone, most places can't match their prices. That is why you want to shop with them in the first place. But they're giving you the power of knowledge, and they're giving you great prices. And when you order a piece apart from Rock Auto for your car, remember to use Locked On, Locked On MLB, Locked On Indian, some form of Locked On in the How'd You Hear About Us area, because that lets them know that their advertising dollars are well spent. RockAuto.com. Type Locked On and how'd you hear about us? Well, we have a moment. I want to remind everyone to check out Locked On Bets with Lee Sterling and your boy Q. All the knowledge and information you could need when it comes to the area of betting. Locked On Bets. Check it out today. How good or bad the uh, production is. It's always going to be a little bit of a sore subject with Indians fans. It was magical with someone they they drafted out of high school. And we thought he was going to sign. And instead they signed... uh, Luke Wakamatsu, you know, uh, Don's son. Okay. And they went for the wrong guy, uh, which it, it's just part for the course because last year in the draft, Austin Martin and Asa Lacey were a pair of former Indians draft picks who went in the top five. So we're kind of used to seeing that. Uh, and, and the whole reason I, I pegged them, honestly, the White Sox was approach. It's like after seeing Berger and Sheets and everyone else they had drafted. But I will say, like, I, I got into some trouble last year because in general, I said I didn't have big separation between Vaughn and Torkelson. That's just my approach. I thought Vaughn had the best approach I've ever seen in a college hitter. So just a, a big fan of his in general. So I, I, I'm looking forward to seeing him there. And I think he has that potential to be something special just because the approach is so clean and he is going to be an on-base monster, I think, long-term. This is a huge, you I mean, you're not wrong. There's a huge drought before, uh, let's see, it's, Timmy was great, and then after Tim Anderson's draft, you got a lot of players that have uh, washed out or haven't made it, or in Berger's case, have torn their AC or their uh, Achilles twice. So unlucky, but yeah, to switch to a guy like having a guy like uh, Nick Magical drafted by the White Sox to me that was surprising. 
it was a guy that doesn't profile as a, a bopper, doesn't profile as a guy that's going to get a lot of extra base hits. And for him to be picked, I, what is it, third or fourth overall in the draft was surprising to me, but I have to trust the people. I think that was a, was that Mike Shirley's first draft, uh, Tanny? Or was that the end of uh, the... I, th- I think that was at the, the end of and, and a Hostetler, which is kind of yeah, weird yeah. because if they're so high on him, like why did they move Hostetler aside if they love Madrigal so much? Maybe it was like the, the totality of what he did with the rest of the picks. Um, but I think the Collins pick is really when they look at Hostetler Ugh. and his tenure, they're like, yeah, what, what was going on here? But I think uh, the reason why he's still in the organization is because of Madrigal. So f- funny, maybe not funny for you guys' story. <laughs> Back when uh, it was like my first or second year at Scout, that Collins pick, uh, I had it in my mock. I had it in my mock, and I went to a good source who said that they were not on Collins. They really liked this prep shortstop. So the last second I changed it, that prep shortstop was Gavin Lux. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) That was the player I was told was the uh, was the runner up to Zach Collins. Not to not to rub any salt in the wounds there, but um, yeah. I was kicking myself all day for going with the the last second info. Well, yeah, I'll, I'll say this though: like if they were if they were interested in Lux and they had Tatis in their organization, it shows me the process is right. Like you know, they, they down the trough there, they may be screwing things up, but at least like the the scouting is at least somewhat there if they're at least they're close to these guys. You know yeah, what I mean? Just like Jeff said earlier, like how the Indians have missed on so many guys, they scout well. Like they, you know, they have uh, the guys. You know, the two guys you said that got picked uh, first uh, top five rounds uh, this year or uh, top five picks this past year. So the Indians, for everything we talked about in the episode before, the Indians know how to draft. They know how to get people. Keeping them a little tough, but drafting? No, that's not tough at all at all for the Indians. They need to they need to steal some people from the Indians and get that going for the White Sox because they want to be that small market team. That's the only oh, they would the love White it. Sox. They'd love it so much. They want, but they the can't Reeves. draft they and develop. The they can't draft yeah. and develop like the Indians, though. That's the well, problem. Just don't uh, don't go for outfielders from Cleveland. Like Luke <laughs> Scott, I think is still our most the highest WAR outfielder of the last. 10, 20 yeah. years to either draft or <laughs> yeah, don't don't go to the Indians for outfielders. Uh, it is ugly. Uh, just it, while I have some time here, I know you mentioned it uh, the that with our sponsor Bet Online. I actually mentioned on my podcast last week. I think it's kind of interesting that when you go and you look at the Cy Young uh, ranks, that there are two. There's a White Sox and an Indians player who have the same point value or the same line. Uh, and that is Dylan Cease and Zach Plesak for the Cy Young. Also in that group, uh, Otani, Minor, Severino, Dylan Bundy, who was really good last year, and Chris Bassett, who was also really good. What What are your guys' thoughts on Dylan Cease? I, I mean, this stuff's always been electric. Is this the put-together and reach that type of Cy Young contention type of season? Well, spring, you always get the, man, we fixed this. He's in the best shape of his life type of garbage. To have Dylan Cease among those names that you just had, to me is blasphemy. It's <laughs> it's a like these are it's a betting site, and we love our folks at BetOnline.ag, but that's that's not good value. I would much rather go with somebody like Plesac, a person that you could see the potential. You see how Dan Dan Plesac, how Zach Plesac is so good. Dylan Cease has the potential, but he's never put it all together. Now, Ethan Katz, new pitching coach, has probably found something. And 
uh, Rick Giolito, Lucas's dad, was on a podcast with us, and he says, wait until you see what Ethan Katz does with Dylan Cease and Ronaldo Lopez. He was really excited to see the change that's going to go, go on with um, Cease, you know, using more hips. They're they're getting working with him in the offseason. So, yeah, the, the great talk, you always hear it about it, especially as White Sox fans, the pitching coach always fixing it. And used to be Coop, now it's going to be Katz who's going to fix these pitchers. I'm not high on Dylan Cease. I'm not I'm not Ronaldo Lopez low on him, but I'm yeah, it's a good spot for him on a championship contender to be the fourth or fifth starter. I would much rather him be the fifth, but fourth will be fine. If he could take one step up, I don't need him to be Cy Young contender. I don't need him to be all-star Dylan Cease. I just need him to be consistent. Four plus ERA, a low four ERA, throwing 150 innings, not putting the bullpen in a bad position, and not having those blow up innings every single start, like cruising and then blowing up and then the game's over for him. I just want a progression, a natural progression from a guy that you really couldn't count on, which we didn't start him as the third starter for the playoffs. They gave it to Dane Dunning. Yeah, I'm, I'm that to the to another guy that's gonna be okay. He's not great. He's decent. He's all right. Well, well, we can go with this. Yeah, I'm, Danny, sorry. No, I'm sorry, Herb. Uh, I'm pretty high on Cease. You know, Herb knows that. You know, he, he's a smart kid. He's got the stuff. And as bad as he's been at times, like he was never as bad as Lucas Giolito was uh, in uh, in 2018. Okay, so that like the 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 floor was never that quite low for him. So that's why I have belief that he just has to make a couple tweaks. And, you know, hopefully under the tutelage of Ethan Katz, he will make those tweaks. But above all, he just has to, you know, cut down the walks considerably, get out of his own head at times. I think sometimes maybe he's a little too cerebral out there. Um, I I think those things will eventually click into place. You know, these guys develop on their own timeline, but I think everything is set up for him to take that next step this year because, yes, there's expectations on the team, but he's got several guys ahead of him that have already proven – that they're top end starters in, in baseball. So, like, you know, he, all he has to do is sort of just follow the lead a little bit and hopefully learn a thing or two from Lance Lynn, you know, a, another right handed, you know, pitcher who's done it time after time in major leagues. And, you know, maybe he can help him spot the fastball a little bit better and he'll, he'll learn some things and he'll naturally progress and get a little better. Uh, breakout year, I don't, I don't know about that, but I think this would be uh, the, the best year to do that if, if it was going to be him. Like, if he doesn't put it together this year, I don't know where you're at with him. Um, I guess, you know, you'd wait and see after the end of the season and evaluate things on a whole. But there's other guys coming behind him, like, you know, Michael Kopech, obviously. And, you know, they're saying great things, like I mentioned, about Ronaldo Lopez and not to mention the guys like Jimmy Lambert that are in, in AAA and Jonathan Stever, who we saw a little bit last year in a, in a spot start. Like, they're, the White Sox are developing – pitching finally uh, for the first time in a while and now there's competition there so I, I think Dylan Cease knows that but we've all seen he has the stuff it's not like we don't know what they saw in this guy like from from the very beginning you saw the best of the best and the worst of the worst of it so if you can just you know make those tweaks and, and meet somewhere in the middle like he's going to be fine like they're, they're going to score enough runs to, to keep him out there and like Herb said you know just sort of limit the bullpen usage on his days and kind of keep everyone on a schedule because there's a lot of moving parts here with what they're trying to do with guys like Garrett Crochet and Michael Kopech and 
you know, they're, they're talking about rotating Aaron Bummer on a day and then crochet the next day. So, you know, we want to see that bullpen because they're going to be a weapon, but we don't want to, to have them uh, overtaxed, you know, when it comes uh, time to uh, get into the postseason there. So, yeah, I'm, I'm very high in Dylan's season, and I do think he will put it together this year. I like the Lambert reference. Uh, back when I was at 24-7, I put him like fifth highest-ranked prospect back before he got hurt two years ago. Uh, so uh, I took some flack for that at the time. And, and I'll admit I should have him over uh, Robert because I, I just didn't trust uh, we, the success rate out of Cuba had been low and he was still low in the minors as a defense. I can always admit when I make mistakes, but I'm glad to hear that like Lambert isn't lost in that shuffle. Yeah, of, uh, Tony Larusa Tony said that he's going to be a guy that's going to be in the mix like to make a you know possibly a spot start early on in the year. Which I was really surprised. Like that, this was a guy that fell under the radar, below the radar last year. He, he did have an injury issue, but when we did see him in the summer camp uh, and you know early in the season, he, he looked good. You know, so I, I think Tony Larusa noticed that as well. So hey, don't be, don't be surprised if you see Jimmy Lambert make a spot uh, start or two early on in the season. Let's take a second and talk about one of our fantastic sponsors. In this case, BetOnline.ag. If you've been listening to the podcast the past two days, you've heard us. Both uh, the Locked On White Sox host and myself referencing the lines over there for the MLB season. You know, it is fun to go. It's interesting to look at that information. Bet Online is our official partner and source for all of that. And when you go to Bet Online, uh, using the promo code Locked On, you're going to get a 50% bonus on your first deposit. 50%. That's the highest percent we have had on any promo during my time here. So go to Bet Online today. Remember to use that promo code Locked On to get that 50% bonus. Like I said, I'm not someone who knows this stuff. It is not my biggest thing, but it is interesting just to go to betonline.ag and look at the the lines, look at what they're projecting. Uh, we get into it with Dylan Cease and his rankings and the White Sox guys talking about how it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. So go check it out for yourself. See if you can find a great situation, a great betting line for yourself over on betonline.ag. Use that promo code locked on. Today in the Bilt Bar March Madness, I feel like this is this is difficult because matchup two, well, let's just start with matchup one. Matchup one, German chocolate cake versus salted caramel. I like salt, ger- I like the salted caramel. I really like the German chocolate cake. Uh, they just do the cakes well. It's the same thing I talked about how almond toffee was something I loved previously, but banana bread. There's something about cakes and breads, and these are gluten-free. Remember, that's a big thing for myself when I'm talking about these bars. Uh, the the cake really comes through. Uh, so I'm going with the German chocolate cake. It is fantastic. Matchup two, Mocha Love and White Chocolate Birthday Cake. Uh, I love coffee. I love birthday cake. I think just with how much, how well they do with things like breads and birthday cakes into the bar form, I'm betting White Chocolate Birthday Cake would be my favorite in that matchup as well. Again, I, I'm speaking from an area without knowledge. But uh, next time they have white chocolate birthday cake, I am hoping to get an order of that as well. And that's one of the fun things with Built Bar. There's seasonal orders. There's things that come and go. Go to Built Bar. Use the promo code LOCKEDON20 to get your 20% offer. On my last order, they're like, hey, thanks for being a repeat shopper. Here's a 15% bonus code. That's right. Our LOCKEDON code is better than the repeat customer code. That's how good a deal you get when you use that LOCKEDON20 promo code. So go over to Built Bar today and place your order. Lastly, Locked On Prospects. Aram is a friend of the show. Uh, Aram and I have some DMs back and forth about things that amuse us. Good guy, great knowledge. Go check out Friend of the Pod, Aram, with Locked On MLB Prospects today. 
So, you know, Indians fans, we like to think we're going to contend this year. We like to think we're going to have an opportunity in this division. So, uh, you know, break it to us. Be honest here. Who, what team is really your concern? And the White Sox are the favorite. They're the favorite everywhere. Is there more concern with the Twins, the Indians? Which one actually bothers you guys or gives you guys a little more fear? Well, um, hmm. I don't like the Twins more, so that's the thing. (laughs) Um, I think the Twins are, are... competition with the central the indians always like we're talking the other day about you know i was surprised that you saying that the offense might be the catalyst of the indians when i look at them i think about pitching i think about that top line starter and shane bieber and i'm like cashing in that day and then you guys i i don't know like that savale guy i think he's great i think he's pretty good i think police act's good Tristan is great. Like I'm just looking at all these pitchers and like Indians are going to win games two to one that like their offense. I look at I'm like the first base is I don't know those guys. Maybe they're big time prospects, like, but they don't look like the Indians of old. They don't look like you, you know, when you got Lindor up there, I'm like, man, throw a walk up there. And all the switch hitters you guys had uh, with Cesar Hernandez and of course, Jose Ramirez. I'm like, God, can, how can we pitch these guys? And I, and whenever I think about Jose Ramirez, I always think about that walk off goddamn home run that hit at the end of the year. <laughs> it just hurts my heart. Like I, we, it's like we knew it was coming. It was just like a shindo to it coming. And then when it happened, I was like, like, why can he just do it earlier? So when I think about the Indians, I think, Yes, they're going to be the third place team, but I think about the what 18, 19 games versus them. I'm like, it's just going to be a battle. It's going to be pulling teeth to beat the Indians where other teams and you're going to see other teams beat them. And like, how do they do that? How like the Indians this year, if we face them 18 times, I think the White Sox should take 12. But I know that's not going to be true. I know it's going to be even up and like it was last year. And the Indians are going to get the, the designation over the White Sox like last year where they were the second place team and the White Sox were the third place team just because the White Sox uh, collapsed down the down the stretch. But I think it's going to be right now, I would say twins and White Sox interchangeable. I got the twins slightly ahead and then the Indians right below them. Yeah, I would I would agree. It's still the Twins because they, you know they were the division champs last year, so you just kind of have to give them the benefit of the doubt there. But their offense is kind of has been all or nothing in the times that that those Sox have seen them. And you know you know what you're going to get there, and they're certainly beatable. I feel like you know as as long as you're you're executing your pitches against the Twins, like you, you can have pretty good success against them. But w- when I look at the Indians and why I'm so high on them is because we know that they're always going to pitch. They're going to play defense for the most part, and their situational hitting is going to be pretty good. And the whole lefty-righty thing that Tito throws out there every day, it's often problematic uh, for a young pitching staff. You know, Thankfully, the, the Sox now have a little more experienced in that area. But you know, the Indians are going to be a good litmus test for the Sox all year long. And I, and I hope they take these games against the Indians very seriously because these are this is going to be what the postseason is like, I think, for a, a team that – is not that experienced in the postseason. You had the one series versus the A's, but you talk about games that are tightly contested, like those games at the end of 2020 against the Indians, even though the Sox didn't do well overall, those were all tightly contested games, and that's what playoff games are going to be like. So I hope they 
the Sox ramp up their focus against the Indians and don't take them lightly. And I think they'll be better served in the long run because of those games against Cleveland because the the, the right-handed arms pose a problem for this White Sox lineup. You know, that the Twins decided that they thought it would be a good move to bring on another lefty into their rotation uh, for whatever reason. Um, but the Indians just, you know, with the, those right-handed arms, that they, they pose problems for the Sox. And I, and I do think that they maybe that they're in their heads a little bit. So I hope that the Sox come out early and play well against, against the Indians, and that will be a really good gauge on how they'll fare uh, in the American League as you look at whatever they're going to do against the Indians in 2021, and, and you know that will dictate uh, who wins the division, I think, between the Sox and Twins is who performs best uh, against the Indians. Just to clarify at the end here so Indians fans don't castigate me, uh, I do think the starting pitching will drive the team. Uh, I just think the lineup will be greatly improved uh, with some additions. I think with the Indians, it's always comes like I was just looking at them and I don't think I'd realized till this moment that their oldest projected starter is Zach Plesak. Mm-hmm. That's, you know, that's just the the nice thing with the Indians is that that general youth. Actually, I lied. Uh, we're going to have a last bit of this podcast in tomorrow's episode because this is already a 32 minute discussion and that's without the opening and ending commercials. <laughs> so this is already a 40 minute podcast uh, if you're someone who listens to every moment. So we'll save the last 13 minutes. It'll be the second half tomorrow. We will talk about some of the minor things that have occurred. Uh, I don't know if I want to say minor. We'll talk about Dolan's comments about Callaway and his passing of the buck. Uh, Just a quick second, Joe Tate. Uh, People forget about his time with the Indians. I grew up without cable, so I got to hear him occasionally on WUAB. His time on the radio with the Indians was before uh, my time as a baseball fan. But WAB is, and that's to me, that was that's Cleveland Indians baseball, and it always will be, because that's what I watched as a kid. That was the weekends when I could sit down and watch baseball, because that was my only outlet for the sport. So uh, I, there has not been an announcer who has ever grabbed me like him. There will not be an announcer who has grabbed me like he was able to do as a child listening to him call the Cavs. I would love, love, love. My father-in-law is a Michigan fan. Uh, don't get mad at me about that. But like he has CDs with like calls from his favorite announcer. I wish there was like a Joe Tate collection. If there is a Joe Tate collection, I somehow don't know about that. Uh, please tell me where to find that. Cause Joe Tate, uh, he's the voice of my sports childhood. And, uh, I know he's gone through a lot in recent years and the loss is still a, a sad loss. If you are a fan of Cleveland sports, who's you know i'm 39 but i feel like what mid-20s and older it's a big hit it's a big loss and words can't express so that's kind of my final thoughts for the day i I just wanted i wanted to make sure to touch on that uh recording in the day that he passed because it's you know i'm almost getting emotional here because of how much he meant to me uh and how much like when i think of the cabs i think of of him um, and there are the fond memories for, from not a ton from his time with the Indians, but that was also something that he was a part of and a part of my childhood. Thank you all for listening. And, you know, we're just not going to do the normal ending. We're just going to Jotate, you meant a lot to the city. You meant a lot to me. And uh, whatever there is, whatever next step, I hope you're finding peace right now. Thank you for all you did.